This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. Thanks for downloading this episode of In Our Time. There's a reading list to go with it on our website and you can get news about our programmes if you follow us on Twitter at BBC In Our Time. I hope you enjoyed the programmes. Hello, Mary Queen of Scots had potential to be one of the most powerful rulers in Europe, yet she was also one of the most vulnerable. In France, when she was a teenage bride to their future king, she was seen as rightful heir to the thrones of England and Ireland, as well as Queen of Scotland and one day of France, which would have been an extraordinary union. She was widowed a year after the marriage, though, and as a devout Catholic returning to an abrasively Protestant Scotland, she struggled to overcome rivalries in her own country. Eventually, after various battles, she fled to Protestant England, where she was implicated in plots to overthrow Elizabeth, and it was Elizabeth herself who signed Mary's death warrant. With me to discuss the life and times of Mary Queen of Scots are David Forsyth, Principal Curator in the Scottish History and Archaeology Department at National Museums Scotland, Anna Groundwater, Teaching Fellow in History at the University of Edinburgh, and John Guy, Fellow of Clare College, University of Cambridge. John Guy, Mary was born in 1542. Who were the most important people in her immediate family at that time? Her father, James V of Scotland, died six days after her birth. So she was brought up in Scotland for the first five years by her mother, Mary of Guise, or Marie de Guise, James's second wife, who, of course, had been a French princess. Uh, that, those were very dangerous times because Henry VIII uh, was seizing his opportunity to attempt to unite the crowns of England and Scotland by marrying off his son, Prince Edward, to Mary, even though she was a baby. When Mary was five, she was shipped over to the safety of France. And there, uh, at the court of for the French king, Henry II, the most important family members around her and the most important influences on her life and the key players in Henry's court were uh, Francis, Duke of Guise, and Charles, Cardinal of Corrine, her uncles. How far did Henry VIII get in, trying to, in marrying off, in, in this attempt, this rough wooing attempt to marry off his son to, to marry? Well, in effect, he, he sparked not quite a civil war in Scotland, but there was, there was a pro-English party and there was a pro-French party. In the end, the pro-French party uh, was in the ascendant, but that, 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 that took years to play out. Henry tried to, to impose a treaty on, on the Scots, which eventually the Scottish Parliament re- rejected. This was not just diplomacy. I mean, it was... It was effectively war. There were invasions um, and devastations of the lowland area of Scotland and, 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 and of Edinburgh. So she went to France, not surprisingly. Her mother was French from a grand French family. And what happened then? Well, she's brought up in the relative luxury and comfort of, 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 of France. She still is still speaking Scottish regularly because she, um, four of her uh, immediate attendants are, in fact, Scottish. So she's, she's, she's fluent in French, but she's also keeping her fluency in, 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 in Scottish. But the point about this is that uh, certainly by 1550, her uncles, the Francis uh, Duke of Guise, I mean, one of the key war leaders in France, uh, and, and her uncle, one of the um, cleverest but also the slipperest diplomats uh, in France, he's also Archbishop of, of Reims, they have a grand plan, uh, a sort of master plan, in, in which through uh, Mary and by um, the idea, which of course was there from the moment Mary went to France, that one day she might marry the Dauphin of, of, of France, young, yeah, young, young Fran- Francis, the crowns of Scotland uh, and um, France could be united, but also uh, with the crown of England, there would be a triple monarchy. Because, of course, uh, looking to looking to the future, uh, Henry's son uh, Ed- Edward, who became the boy king Edward VI, was a Protestant, and of course the Catholics didn't recognise uh, pro- Protestants. And then in the future, of course, down the line, what was Elizabeth Tudor, who was not only becoming a Protestant, but of course it was Anne Boleyn's daughter, and therefore the Catholics considered her to be illegitimate. Is it this time she's getting a very good education, Mary? Unusually good education. She's getting a, she's getting pretty much the same education as Elizabeth got uh, in, 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 in England. The difference is that whereas Elizabeth is actually rather bookish, Mary Mary is is clever. This idea that that came from the nineteenth century that she was somehow a sort of dopey femme, femme fatale. I mean, is just not supported by the evidence. She's 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 she she is almost as able intellectually as 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 Elizabeth, but but she has she has. 
different characteristics. She can reach out to people. She is much more generous than Elizabeth. Uh, the thing about Mary is that when she's talking to you, she persuades you that you're the only person in the whole world that really matters. And her physical appearance is very impressive. She says she's tall, as so is her mother Mary, Mary of Guise. All the Guise are, are, are tall. Elizabeth, of course, is, is relatively short, only five, five foot four. I mean, that was actually you know, something later between them. There was always this issue of, you know, who was the better looking and, 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 and you know, who was the taller and who could play the virginals better, who could speak languages better. But, but Mary has a very, very good education, but also Mary has a sense of fun. Uh, I mean, she likes to dress up. Um, one of her favourite things is sort of going into the kitchen and making... making um, 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 Quinn's marmalade, coat, coating, 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 that, that sort of thing. Um, uh, she likes riding. You know, she, she's a she's a culture she's a cultured woman. But the key thing about the time in France is this Franco-British policy, because when we move on and Elizabeth becomes queen uh, in 1558, the uncles do something that determines what is going to happen in terms of Anglo-Marian um, uh, relations, really, for the, the, for the rest of the story, which is they quarter the arms of England, France and Scotland uh, on the, you know, essentially the, uh, Mary and, 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 and Francis's crockery. Uh, and they invite the English ambassador, uh, Nicholas Throckmorton, to dinner and serve him his dinner on a silver plate, uh, you know, embossed with the arms, with the arms of in in England. Uh, when Mary goes to chapel, uh, the ushers cry, make way for the Queen of England. This is deliberately provocative to establish Mary's claim as the great-granddaughter of Henry Seventh, of course, to the, to the throne. To the, to the, to the throne. Uh, ex 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 exactly. Anna Groundwater, uh, she returned to Scotland after her French husband died. Uh, there was a year between them. He was a young lad and it was only a year of marriage. Um, did she have any other options? I think by that point, no, she didn't. Um, and she, well, how old is she now? She's, uh, um, she, she returns to Scotland when she's 18. Mm. Um, she could have tried to hang on at the court um, in France, but um, her mother-in-law, um, Catherine de Medici, seriously didn't want her around. They didn't have a good relationship. <clears throat> Sorry. Why was uh, that? Well, I think what what Catherine de' Medici um, didn't like was the de Guise um, power and influence that came when they had Mary there, as as John says, as part of this sort of um, master plan. Um, and uh, whilst Mary was Dauphin and then Queen, of course, it gave the de Guises a lot of influence, a lot of power. But as soon as she lost that position, the de Guises were eclipsed, really effectively, because then the new king was... Catherine de' Medici's son, Charles IX, um, over whom she was able to exert quite a bit of power, certainly to begin with. Um, so the only option was to get out, as you're saying? Yeah, I th I, 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 she had to get married. Otherwise, um, she could have, I suppose, gone somewhere else in Europe. But um, I think really what's probably more important here is that she had a kingdom to run. Um, and um, that uh, I suppose one of the questions is why, you know, why wouldn't she have gone back to Scotland? She was Queen of Scotland. Scotland wasn't a bad country. It wasn't a bad place to be. Maybe it wasn't as glittering um, a court as France, but she had been Queen of Scotland since virtually from birth. While she'd been in France, what connections had she kept with Scotland? Mm. We've been told she spoke the language every day, mm. but what other connections did she have? Well, there's a frequent correspondence between her and her mother, um, but they're also who's living in Edinburgh. Um, who's living in Edinburgh yeah. oh, and around? Yeah. Um, and um, her mother, in fact, came out to see her in France in fifty fifty one, and bringing um, bringing actually, I think, two of her half brothers, her illegitimate half brothers, uh, uh, also came out to the court. Um, the uh, there was also a, a determined attempt to keep her informed um, of what was going on in Scotland, so that she was aware of of the situation in Scotland. And I think because of that, she was very aware that there was a Protestant revolution going on in Scotland at the time. So she came back as a Catholic who hadn't been to the country <coughs> yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. She probably scarcely remember it, really, into an abrasively Protestant, which is what it was before, but it is fair enough, an abrasively Protestant country, very demanding of its Protestantism, and she was a devout Roman Catholic. How did she manage to exercise any control at all? Um, well, I think key here is that she did come back as the absolute acknowledged monarch. Um, there hadn't been any attempt to challenge her right to rule 
um, her legitimacy. Um, and in fact, her, her half-brother, her illegitimate half-brother, um, James Stewart, who becomes the Earl of Murray, who's a, a committed Protestant, um, he comes out to ask her to come back. So, you know, she's being asked to come back. She's declared an interest um, in coming back. And um, this is a place where she can exert power. I think there's one other point here is, yes, there's been a Protestant revolution. The, the, the monarchy has been challenged successfully on the religion of the country. But that's not to say that Scotland didn't overnight become Protestant. There were seriously Protestant figures around, powerful Protestant figures around, but not everyone, you know, you don't change your faith overnight. David Forsyth, so she's back there. She's a Catholic, though, and the Mass is allowed to be said only in the chapel only of Holyrood, only in the Royal Chapel. How did she adapt? Did she adapt? She's got Protestant Scotland in front of her. She walks out of the chapel <laughs> at Holyrood. What did she do then? Well, she can hear the Edinburgh mob being the, the first day that Mass is said at Holyrood House, um, that the, the Protestant mob are being at the door, and the, the half-brother, illegitimate half-brother James, has to help to ensure that the Mass goes ahead. She's very, I think, diplomatic. She shows great um, a realpolitik in realising that this is a reformed country. But let's not forget, it's, you know, it's still the Protestant Reformation is still at a very early stage. There are great pockets of, of, of Roman Catholicism. But Mary takes a practical approach. She proclaims that there'll be no change to the religion. She's, she's been made quite clear to her from the half-brother that the Mass is only to be said within the confines of Holyrood House in Edinburgh. When she tries to say it, have it said in Stirling, there's, there's, there's trouble there. So she respects, if you like, the faith of her, of her, of her, of her, of her subjects. She even starts to accommodate in a way that she'll attend Protestant baptisms, she'll listen to some Protestant preachers that she finds ex acceptable. So she, I think she, she treads a very careful, determined, real politic, mm. practical line. She's, she knows that, because for Mary, the important thing is that she is the anointed Queen of Scots. She has that authority. She goes so far as to put down a Catholic rebellion, doesn't she? She does indeed. So, so she puts down the, the rebellion in the north by the great Gordon in the northeast, the great Gordon family interest, one of the leading Scottish noble families. So she's showing great even-handedness in terms of her dealing with religion. But you're talking about it being embryonic, as it were, the mm. Protestant thing. You're still quite violent. You have this man, John Knox, writing against the monstrous regiment of women. He sees her uh, four or five times. The, the, the latest scholarship says the first two or three times were reasonably uh, amicable, uh, and the fourth time he told her who she should marry, and when she went out, we are told, she burst into tears, which is rather unusual for her. That's correct. I mean, the the, the con conversations, for want of a better word, with Knox become more and more strident. The first one's about the monstrous regiment of, of, of women. It's about the political position of... Meaning women in power. Women in, women in power, yes. Well, so yeah. Mary de Guise, yeah. uh, Mary yeah. Tudor, Elizabeth, who obviously was on her side, on Knox's side, and, and Mary herself... But they become more about religion. Knox trying to, you know, persuade her that this is that she's not really a legitimate monarch through through her religion. Um, I think the thing about Mary is that she is she's she's been born, she's been schooled in in queenship. She holds the line. These these floods of tears tend to come after Knox, Master Knox has left the has, has left the room. But in terms of the leadership, the the, the political leaders are are her half brother um, James. James Stewart. I mean, Knox is not the, the Scottish Protestant Reformation is a political movement. Two things here, picking up on from what you said. First is she's very straightforward about her being Queen of Scots. When challenged by the great Catherine de' Medici oh. when she came to the nursery saying, why do you not bow to the Queen of France? And this girl immediately replied, why do you not bow well, to the Queen of Scots? So Mary has confidence, yes. From, from the beginning. Secondly, about people who advised her, and we're going to come to the English advisor in a minute, Liz, who were... Who are, Let's say they were very impressive. Yes. They were devious, they were deceitful, they were all sorts, but they were very impressive. Did she have a like uh, group of people advising her? Uh, what I would say that, that I think one thing that Mary felt, if she had people like Walsingham and Cecil she, around her in an immediate circle, she may have been more, more, more successful. There was a. The Scottish court politics fell into various cabals. There were people like um, Maitland of Lethington, known as the, the Machiavelli of, Sc of Scotland, Michael um, Mack. Um, I think Mary felt that because of these great regional um, interests in Scotland, the, the Lennoxes, the Gordons, the people around the, around in the court, the half-brother, 
um, that she really was not uh, best served by some of, by some of these these so, these so-called advisors. And they had their own rivalries as well. And as they had their own the, the, well sort of na- the disputatious nature yeah. of of early modern Scottish politics. So, so she's there, this young girl still. Her husband has died. Her mm. mother has died. Mm-hmm. Her favourite uncle, who really looked after, has died. And the father. Uh, she's and, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she's back in in this sort of foreign foreign country, which is her own. Mm-hmm. Um, John Guy. Did she have really dangerous enemies, and who were they? Well, it isn't Elizabeth. Uh, I mean, this is the common... Um, not at this stage. This, not at this stage. This is a common John, assumption. This is a common assumption that it is. But, of course, at this, this early stage, uh, both Elizabeth and, um, and Mary, as it might whimsically be said, are fully paid-up members of the Women Monarchs Trade Union. More importantly than that, I mean, you're, not more importantly, you know what you're talking about, but they were both... Elizabeth, both of them, were very well aware that, that at the time that they had been anointed, divinely exactly. anointed, to be in the position they were, and this mattered to them more than anything else. And well, that, that is the bond, well, that's which exactly is a very right. serious bond, and it it, it 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 played a part right the way through. Well, this is exactly right, um, because then divine right kingship, you know, meant exactly what it what what, what it said. Uh, but of course, this was not so uh, for. Uh, William Cecil, Elizabeth's chief minister, and the most the, the most important single fact to know about the early Elizabethan regime is that um, for Cecil, Elizabeth was Protestant, but not Protestant enough. And and the difference in their, if you like, their intellectual DNA is that both Mary and Elizabeth believe that the first uh, thing that matters when you're talking about, um, say, the succession to the throne is dynastic right, is heredity, and not religion, whereas Cecil believes that there should be some sort of religious test to make sure... I mean, Cecil and Knox are on the same wavelength here. Uh, They believe that that an idolatrous ruler, which effectively means uh, a Catholic ruler, and in particular a a Catholic idolatrous, should never be the Queen. And what Cecil wants to do from the beginning is to exclude Mary from the succession uh, using Parliament, uh, which, of course, Elizabeth finds absolutely repulsive. So her greatest enemies outside Scotland is Cecil Lord Burley, Queen Elizabeth's advisor over many, many years, who runs things. Sometimes she's very angry that he does things without her authority, but he's there all the time. He's he there. is against yeah. her from the start. He plots against her from the start. He undermines her. He sets up traps and schemes and so on. So he's out there after her. Um, who was on her side on her groundwater? She married Darnley. Why did she marry him? Um, I, I think Darnley was... Probably. Who was he to start with? Okay, so um, they uh, Darnley Henry Darnley um, was a grandson of Margaret Tudor, who had married James the Fourth of Scotland, and um, thus he was the same um, degree of relation to Mary Tudor as Mary was herself. So they were both grandchildren of Margaret Tudor, both grandchildren, uh, um, great grandchildren of Henry the Seventh. So. He had, in his own right, um, a claim to the English throne as well. Um, And he was also relatively ambivalent um, around his um, religion, so he could be quite Catholic. He could also be be Protestant when he needed to be. How and why did she pick him out? Was was he picked out for her, or did she see him, or did he come and woo her? What happened? Yeah, so... (laughs) Um, it wasn't, yes. Uh, to, to start with, a whole load of other people were offered or um, suggested, um, none of whom really were very suitable. So there was the um, Don Carlos of Spain, uh, Philip II's son, who um, became mad, and then also um, the Earl of Arran in Scotland, who also became mad. So not a great choice, not, really. There really wasn't a great choice out there. And the other problem is that you marry a foreigner you get into that situation that Mary Tudor had with um, Philip II of Spain, that you've got a foreigner who could potentially make a claim to that throne. So how did she get Darnley? So Darnley, or, I, I or think vice was, versa. I don't know, what do you think? Um, Elizabeth slipped up there a bit and let, she, let she, him she go north. Two, two hands yeah. going up. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> David, you come Elizabeth, in. Elizabeth lets Darnley travel to, yeah. to, to Scotland and then realises a mistake. Darnley, of yeah. course, is a, is a born Englishman, so this, this also adds to the, the genealogical yeah. claim to the, the throne. 
But it's also, it's also partly on the rebound because one of the silliest things, one of the very few silly things Elizabeth ever did was to try to foist Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, her own favourite. And, you know... Well, we think we sort of almost proved lover. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And Elizabeth's idea was that they would all live together in a menage a trois in the south of England. I mean, this was, you know, and I mean, to Mary, that was, you know, a red rag to, to, to a bull. But Darnley... So is... actually, let's get this straight, because I think listeners are going to be rather surprised at this. Elizabeth proposed to her cousin that they live together in the south Absolutely. of England with Elizabeth's Absolutely. lover, whom she made an earl, Absolutely. so he could be earl enough Absolutely. to marry her cousin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a wheeze. Absolutely. But the thing about Darnley was that he, he was one of these very, very smooth young men who knew how to behave until the ring was on the finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The trouble starts once the ring's on the mm-hmm. finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right. Just and also Darnley is one of the few men that can look Mary in the eye because he's he's, he's long, long enough, of yeah. long of leg as, as Mary describes him. Um, she's five foot eleven. She, she's five foot eleven. He's a tall man, yeah. and she, he was certainly fanciful. So he, but he is. We are told he arrives there with syphilis, which opens up questions for the future James. We've got to leave that alone, unfortunately. Anyway, they get married, uh, and he drinks a lot, and he's soon a sot, a drunken sot. Womanizes. Uh, and why was he murdered? And who did it? That's up to you, David. <laughs> that, that's a six million dollar question. Um, well, he he is he's Catholic normally. He is the Scottish advisors around Mary do not like that Darnley. He is inveigled into the whole the whole Rizzio. Um, uh, Who's Rizzio? Well, this was the the. Well, you tell us who Rizzio well, the, the, is. Rizzio was um, a, a fine bass singer. He was from the the Savoy Court. The, <laughs> that's ambassador. a funny way to <laughs> but he, he was her, he was our French secretary and became very close to Mary. Mary spent a lot of time with him, and of course the the so called advisers or plotters around Mary used Rizzio to really fire up Darnley and say whisper all sorts of you know crude uh, innuendo about what the relationship between Mary and Rizzio might be. And Rizzio be. was murdered and one of the murders was Darnley. Darnley's implicated in the, in the plot. And the root of the problem is that once Darnley and Mary are married, Darnley wants to be King of Scotland. Mm-hmm. The thing about the 16th century is that rank does not trump gender. Even the person who was attempting to write a book defending Elizabeth as Queen of England said that a woman uh, may rule as a magistrate but must obey as a wife. And, Eliz- and 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 Mary, the, one of Mary's mistakes, is that before the wedding she 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 tells Darnley she will make him king of Scotland, but after the wedding she realizes what he's really like, uh, and and refuses. And after that he plots uh, uh, against her to attempt to get the crown matrimonial, and this mm. leads to crown matrimonial is that he gets to be king. He gets to be king, and and I mean I mean to cut to the quick, this leads to great turbulence in Scotland. In the process of that turbulence, Mary's secretary gets um, Rizzio gets 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 murdered. Uh, the people who've done that are expelled from the country, uh, uh, and of course in London, uh, William Cecil wants to get those people back because those people are his Scottish allies. They're all Protestant. He wants to work with them. Uh, and and so uh, um, a situation is reached in which Darnley begins to plot against Mary in a way that looks like he will actually even attempt to to, 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 to depose her. Hold on, it's getting very overpopulated. Just a second, Anna, <laughs> Anna here. So Darnley, let's keep it clear. She's married Darnley. They've had this child, James, who becomes later James. Mm-hmm. Crucially, and, crucially, right? Can you tell? Did, did that change the balance of power in Mary's favour? Crucially, what what effect did that have? Well, it immediately gave her that air that's your primary duty as Queen to provide. Um, And it certainly um, was probably one of the highest points of her life was having had this son, the Longpool son and heir. Um, She has um, a baptism ceremony at um, Stirling Castle, which was a splendiferous affair. Um, And it really showed Mary at her best, the sort of um, the majesty of monarchy, um, the splendour of the court. Um, it was very impressive. People heard about it abroad. Um, and that really was her high point. And it, um, uh, but at that point, crucially, Darnley goes, oh, I'm not going to bother. I'm not coming to the baptism. So um, this was very problematic because that's the sort of thing you'd do if you were saying, this child isn't mine. Um, so it was potentially very, very harmful um, extremely disloyal, and also he was writing letters out of the country at this point um, to get support from the Pope or whoever um, against Mary. She had the child soon enough she imagine it was the child his, David? Oh, 
Yeah. But it certainly made his. <laughs> we but, know that, that, that really, honestly, that wasn't the question I asked. Come on, but, face up. No, to, was it his? I just occurred to me then, Anna's saying, might not, he, Taylor Egg might not have been his child. What's the odds there? Oh, I think I, th- I think it was it was it was right, okay. yeah. I think so, this is Cooker James. He's a real steward. Okay, so let's <laughs> so let's go for the murder of Darnley. Uh, he is murdered, and then what? Would you like to take that up? Well, I think the thing about the murder is 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 the whole Kirkfield explosion. Oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. the, the the body What's is that, found. What so Darnley is is enticed back to to Edinburgh. Comes back with is enticed back to Edinburgh with Mary. He's staying in lodgings in an area of the, the sort of upscale area of the, the city called Kirkfield near where the National Museum is now. And he um, th- there is a huge explosion. A gunpowder the, the, the gunpowder plot, if mm. you like, a Scottish gunpowder plot, mm. that the lodgings that he's in are completely destroyed. But the body of Darnley and the night servant are found in the orchard, unharmed. Un- <laughs> well, not unharmed, he's dead, obviously, but unsinged from any explosion. Uh, there's no, there are no marks on his body. So it's that, it's the whole nature of mm. that, that, that event. I mean, the event is, is, is triggered because at the baptism... Uh, in, uh, the English ambassador who's been put there by Cecil, who's one of his closest allies. The so Earl, Cecil's the, around the, everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's partly controlling these events. Uh, he, the Earl of Bedford, who's, who's the, the, the ambassador put there by, by Cecil, gets Mary, who is too generous on this occasion, to pardon the people who'd murdered Darnley and let them back into England. And the key player here is, is, the, is the Earl of Morton, uh, who comes back in determined to murder Darnley for betraying uh, their, their 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 bond, their essentially their their you know their agreement. They're going uh, to, to murder exactly. So yeah. this is this is a this is a revenge killing. Uh, but of course the question is, um, I mean my view of this and you know after the studying this for many years. The question is, was she years, part of it? Yeah, this is this and is the question. And what's your answer to that? And my answer to that is that she was not part. She was not part of it. But this doesn't mean that she was a wimp. Mm. Uh, Darnley had by this time become totally unmanageable, uncontrollable, and, and my belief in what uh, way the drink uh, because, because because most seriously he was threatening Important. to depose Mary mm. uh, and rule in the name of Prince James, mm-hmm. uh, you, and, and, and and to support this you know by uh, if necessarily by by funding and if necessary military support from the European Catholic powers. Uh, so everyone agreed, all the pe- people around Mary agreed that something had to be done about this. Uh, now, uh, in order to cope with this, my reading of the sources is that Mary had a plan, and it was to go and uh, Darnley had after he'd finished sulking after the baptism, at, because he's now got more advanced syphilis, has gone off uh, to his sort of, if you like, ancestral estates near Glasgow. She goes to fetch him back. My belief is that she was going to bring him to Craig Miller Castle, uh, just outside Edinburgh, three miles outside of it, and keep him locked up there if necessary for the rest of his life. However. The people around her, who she's got enemies inside Scotland, uh, believe that they not only want to kill Darnley, they want to destabilise uh, uh, Mary. And I mean, if you're going to if you're going to kill Darnley and you and you want it to go unobserved, you don't do it in a gunpowder plot in the middle in the middle in the middle, middle of Edinburgh. Anna, can you take us on from that? So Darnley is murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that affect Mary? Let's focus again on Mary mm-hmm. because there's lots mm-hmm. of all sorts of people telling her, which is. Right and proper, but so how does that affect her? He's been murdered. Do a lot of people think she's implicated? Do people think it's a good thing, a bad thing, or what thing? What's going on? Okay, so in Edinburgh, very quickly after Darnley's murder, um, uh, placards appear which show um, pictures of um, uh, um, Mary as what a. What appear, sorry? Pla- placards, um, placards, poster, sorry, posters, yeah, posters yeah. of Mary as a, um, uh, a mermaid. Um, which was um, a person of ill repute. A prostitute. Uh, yeah. Right. And then underneath, um, a picture of the hair, which was the crest of the Earl of Bothwell, who was also accused of being... who was certainly part mm, of, of the murder of Bothwell Darnie. just come on the scene. Can yes. you give us two or three sentences about Bothwell? Um, Bothwell um, uh, is a Protestant. He's a hard man from the borders. Mm. Um, he's got uh, quite a sizeable. Um, armed following, like a lot of these other earls do. Um, and he is the one person that has come back in in, in support of Mary um, and also, indeed, in support of her mother at one point. 
so she, she, he's someone with a lot of military power, someone that she trusts. He's independently rich. All those are Protestants mm. yeah. supports her yeah. uh, and he supports France as well. So yeah. he's an unusual character. He's, a, he's, a, he's not keen on the English. And uh, in a way, you know, to be a Protestant and not to be keen on the English well, is almost, unusual. you know, yeah. the opposite to the normal normal way of doing things. Do you want to come in, David? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's good. He, he's, he's a strange amalgam. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a bit of a borders hard man. Mm-hmm. But he is been at the court in France. Mm-hmm. He's cultured. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, the beautiful little um, miniature and oil that the Scottish National Portrait Gallery has, you know, he is. He looks very much <laughs> regal or, or, part, or part of the courtly, you know, court, courtly world. But, um, but I think he's, 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 got a, he's got an armband. He's a regional magnate. And what happens that she marries him? Sorry, John, you want to come in. He's been in in alliance with this this, this Morton character, but after the murder, of course, there's a falling out, if you like, among the thieves. Mm. Uh, And the Earl of Bothwell, you know, who sees an opportunity here, thinks that now that Mary is in this terrible crisis... I mean, after all, her her husband has been murdered in a gunpowder plot and the the reverberations of this are all over Europe, you know, where, of course, in Catholic Europe, this is seen as a regicide. Even Elizabeth thinks Mm -hmm. that that it's a regicide, because, after all, Darnley is her cousin, cousin too. Bothwell steps you know, onto the stage and says to Mary, I can be your protector. Uh, and in this position of you know, emotional crisis and political crisis for her, she accepts and then Bothwell does in a way what all the men do at this time. He demands marriage as the price of protection. Mm-hmm. And then it all goes wrong. Then it all happens again. Mm-hmm. How does it all go wrong, Anna? Well, she marries him. Absolute disaster. Um, because in doing so, she's threatening the power of all those other powerful Scottish nobles because he's there right by her side and has got that claim then to to the throne, to power. Um, And he um, thus, as John's saying, alienates, manages to alienate all these people that he has actually been in a bond with up until then. Can I ask an obvious, very obvious question here? Was being a woman particularly difficult? Her advisers weren't as good as Elizabeth's advisers by a long chalk, nor as consistent, and nobody in the world was as implacable as Cecil. But yeah. putting that to aside, uh, was just being a woman, is it a soft question or what do you say? Um, well, I certainly think that we should um, look at Mary's rule as Mary as a ruler rather than a female ruler to start with. You know, was she an effective ruler? And my answer to that would be... She was variable because she was human. Sometimes she got it right, sometimes she got it disastrously wrong. But being a female ruler definitely did come with a few um, problems, uh, particularly because you've got to get married. And as John was saying, you know, you're meant to obey your husband in in this time. Um, And that left her vulnerable either. She marries someone in Scotland, uh, she gets a whole load of jealous Scottish nobles, she marries a foreigner... It, um, she gets people worried about that. So her, the whole question of her marriage leaves her vulnerable um, and leaves her open to these things where you get someone like Darnley, someone like Bothwell, who want more than just marriage. They want power. Before we take her, before she goes to England, David, there's a, there's a, there's a, a phase in her life where she gets on a horse and goes into battle and wins things, doesn't she? She is, Until finally she doesn't. But let's talk about winning first well, of all. Well, she does. She, I mean, she, she's quite... This is one of the dynamic natures of Mary. She, she does lead troops mm-hmm. into battle. I don't think, John, there, there are many other Renaissance queens that, 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 that do that. She's very visible. After her various interventions when she's been in, in imprisonment and captivity, it is surprising just, again, how many men she can put in the field. So despite this religious disparity... She she maintains you know mm-hmm. elements of, of support and, and and popularity, and she wins uh, early on with her battles, doesn't she? She does, yeah. She's quite effective. She's got good she's got good military men with mm-hmm. her, but she mm-hmm. she does she does win uh, have, have military success. And of course, Bothwell had supported yeah. her at that time. He'd come back to support he her mm-hmm. at, that, that, at that at that moment. I mean, she can be incredibly decisive. And the other thing about Mary is that she is a bit of a risk taker. Unlike Elizabeth, of course, who always mm-hmm. plays for time. I mean, in a crisis, Mary will say, "I've got to do something." Elizabeth will say, "I've got to do absolutely nothing." So yes, she gets on a horse with a steel cap and a you know and a gun in her holster, and she rides and, and she throws these people out of out, out, out of Scotland. But look, uh, you know Rizzio's been murdered, Darnley's been murdered. You know that's that's too much for one woman in this world in which you are in a vice because if you if you, if you marry, you're you, you're in peril from your the, your husband from an ambitious husband, and mm-hmm. if you don't marry, you're in a dynastic cul-de-sac because you can't have an heir. Mm-hmm. And then, then she lost one big battle. Was it Pinky? Where, was it, where she lost the battle, David? And then she fled. She made what all of you call a major miscalculation oh, by yes. fleeing yeah. to Carlisle. 
Carlisle Castle, across Carlisle the border, Castle. across the Solway into England. Well, yeah. well, I think that, I, that Anna mentioned earlier in the programme about the, the, the co-sanguinity between Mary and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She throws herself on her cousin, her sister, the Queen, because of that belief that they're both anointed mm-hmm. queens. Elizabeth is not going to harm her. How old is she at this stage? Sorry, Mary. She's in her twenties for this thing because this is the, the end of the the, the 20, seventh. Uh, yeah, twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the end of the personal reign. Yeah, this is the end of the personal reign. She loses that battle, and she. Why did she decide that was the only option? That was a mistake. It was a mistake. That yeah. was a mistake. <laughs> I think this is. I the mean, biggest if she mistake. told up in Scotland, but who advised her? So she's got these options. She's gone back, she's toughed it out, here, there, she's faced John Knox, she's faced all the others. Then she decides to go across the side to Carla. Who advised her? Why did she decide to do it? John, you're waving your hand. <laughs> well, she loses the battle and then she's, put, she's imprisoned in Loch Leven for, you know, for, 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 for a year. Uh, and she escapes from Loch, Loch Leven and then she raises her supporters because by this time her enemies have become you know, so unpopular in Scotland she can actually raise a party. But she actually loses the battle and then she, then she flees. No one is advising her. She decides to do that exactly mm-hmm. off her own back because she believes that she believes that this relationship, woman to woman, with Elizabeth yeah. is such mm-hmm. that if she can only meet Elizabeth and Mr. talk Fish. to her yes. sister yes. queen, as yeah. she calls her, yes. this will all this will go away. Can you briskly tell us the part the casket letters, casket letters play? I want to. I want to. I want to get it in, but let's be shot. Of course. Uh, once, once um, Mary is is in England, the thing that the Earl of Murray, who of course by now is the Regent, mm-hmm. uh, and of course Cecil wants, is that is that Elizabeth will recognise Murray as the Regent in Scotland, ruling in the name of Prince James, uh, and to try and achieve that, uh, they, the claim is made that eight letters allegedly from Mary to Bothwell were found in a silver box at Holyrood after she was taken to Loch Leven. And those letters supposedly prove that, first of all, Mary was complicit in, in Darnley's murder, and secondly, that she was in an adulterous relationship with Bothwell before, uh, before Darnley was dead. Now, there are these eight letters. I examined them at huge length in, in 2004. Three are manifestly letters to, to, to Darnley while their relationship was breaking up. Three are uh, based... Three are of different versions of one letter to Bothwell that had been antedated by several weeks to make it look incriminating. There's a letter that Mary did write, but not at the date or the time that it's said to be. And there's a long letter called the Long Glasgow Letter, uh, which on which the jury is still out. But in my opinion, fifteen to eighteen hundred words are genuine, but a thousand to twelve hundred words are forgeries. So it was basically she was set up again, wasn't she? Uh, right. There was other things going on in Europe yeah. that made her position. Can you skim through those and then we can get back to her in Carlisle Castle? Yeah. Um, the, the problem that Mary faced um, is that on the continent you have um, the beginning of the Counter-Reformation happening. The and Catholics hitting back, yeah. Catholics hitting back at all these Protestant reformations going on. Um, in France, um, you've got it descending into the French walls of religion. So where she might have perhaps hoped for some support from the de, Medici, um, from the de Guises, they are suddenly embroiled in, in, in effectively a, a religious civil war. In, um, uh, in the Netherlands, the uh, Dutch are revolting and um, uh, Philip II is sending in his forces to try and put down that what was effectively to become a, a Protestant rebellion there. It didn't quite start like that. Um, And then you've got um, uh, Philip II obviously um, wanting to control his his land. Sorry, I should make that clear. He owns, effectively, the Netherlands, the Low Countries at this point. So they're rebelling against his rule. He's a committed Catholic So the Catholics are on the rampage. The Catholics are on the rampage. And the Protestants are worried because it's a big rampage and Spain is very powerful and and got lots of fleets, lots of soldiers, lots of money. And also Elizabeth doesn't want to annoy Philip II at that point either. No. Um, Is there any way, Dave Forsyth, in which her her having the son... She's got the son. Insurance who's, uh, policy. She's, got, she's just... She's in I keep mentioning Carla. <laughs> I can't see that. I wonder why. <laughs> and well, no, no, not really. It's just because she's there, and I want to talk a bit more about it, if you don't mind. No. But there has, is anywhere pe- persons around her son or son said, look, this is the mother of our future king. Uh, she can't be over there. We want her back here. Was, did that go on at all? Well, I mean, the, the, main, the main man round the son, of course, is, is Buchanan, mm. formerly... Um, 
Mary's, one of Mary's advisors, the man who wrote a brutal the, the teacher. A brutal, he used to beat a brutal little boy. Whether yeah. he deserved it or not, he got he got a sound beating. And of course, James is brought up or, or, or schooled by this man who tells him that his mother is a murderess and an adulteress, and this really why James has a very difficult relationship with the, his mother. Yeah, and, but and that isn't memory. the question I'm asking. Weren't there people there? when she left, saying, hold on, she's the mother of a future king, she is still Queen of Scots, let's bring her back across the Solway and try to make do with it, make it work. Anna? Um, There's a civil war going on in Scotland. It's not um, a severe civil war, but there is civil war. It's called the Marian Wars. There was a significant number of people who did still support Mary, the Queen's man. but the problem was they didn't own the body of the prince, the king himself. I've just seen our little yeah, time we've got we've left. Gone. I'm in a shock. You're going to have to be very fast, John. She's, she's in, in England for 19 years, imprisoned, um, trying to make deals with Elizabeth, almost again and again making it. Elizabeth's willing, uh, she's willing. Again and again, Cecil undermines it. Can you give me a rather extended view of that summary? Yeah, I mean that's that, that that's that's the the basic outline. And, and at first, Mary is it's almost like a, a sort of caught in exile. She's a cuckoo in Elizabeth's nest. But of course, the, there's a there's a big there's a big rebellion in England in 1569 in the in the north the Northern Rising. You know, six six thousand rebels. Uh, it's not just the rebellion that's put down. It's put down extraordinarily brutally. But sixty of those rebels escape to the continent and become, uh, if you like, Mary's supporters on the continent. The, one of the aims of the rebels was to restore the mass, restore Catholicism, and put Mary on 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 the throne. But I personally do not believe that Mary was a great threat to Elizabeth herself mm-hmm. until the 1580s, mm-hmm. at which point the international situation, which, which, which Anna's been describing, mm-hmm. has, 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 re- has reached boiling point. And at that point, of course, it isn't just that, that that Catholics want her on the throne, it's that she is rejected by her own son. In 1581, mm-hmm. Mary puts forward a proposal that she should rule on a, on a co-ruler basis with, with, with James. James rats on her and, and allies with Elizabeth. Very briefly, we've got to get the, let's forget the Rodolphe papers. The mm-hmm. Babington plot Babington wrote her a letter mm-hmm. saying, will you join a conspiracy? Mm-hmm. She answered the letter. Mm-hmm. Walsingham then falsified the letter by, by, by adding other names, yeah. and mm-hmm. he, like Cecil, uh, set her up. Yeah. And that with the Babington blood could not, at the time, said, be denied, and Elizabeth, I'm told you, you know, had no uh, alternative but to pronounce her uh, uh, yeah. guilty, and, and she was executed. And, and I mean, that was the intention um, of Walsingham and Cecil in setting her up, was that it would force Elizabeth's hand finally to sign that death warrant. But I think James helped to sign that death mm. warrant too by signing an Anglo-Scottish alliance mm. in 1586. Her, son. Her mm. son, which made no reference to Mary at all. So, so she was left friendless, poor yeah. also. Well, not all that old. She's still so attractive. She designed the main prize. He designed on the throne of England. And Elizabeth wrung her hands. And then it was, it's all a bit of slate of hand, isn't it, there, all signing that letter. put the letter oh, in the bin. Yeah. to stop, it's awful, we've got to stop. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Anna Grant. John, we've got to stop. got it right in the John, we've got to stop. Anna Groundwater, John Guy, day before, so thank you very much. Next week, we'll be talking about parasitism. Thanks for listening. And the In Our Time podcast gets some extra time now with a few minutes of bonus material from Melvin and his guests. This is the extra, really, which the podcast persons get. Hello, podcast persons. Uh, and I usually say, what do we miss out? And then I sit back. So it's up to you. Lots. <laughs> so much. <laughs> what did I miss out? What did no. we miss out that was... Did we miss anything out that was critical? I'd like to say one particular thing, which is about um, the nature of Scottish government. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think there are two sort of slightly opposing views here of it. So when she came back, was she faced with, I think you've called it tribal politics, or which she really was not going to ever, ever be able to come? Or was it that she came back to a situation which, if she had asserted her authority consistently, that she would have been able to take much more control than she did? And I think one of the things that she didn't do was to pack the Privy Council with her supporters. supporters, If she had done that... Why didn't she do that? To me, this is extraordinary, and I don't understand why she didn't pack pack the Privy Mm -hmm. Council in Scotland with her supporters. And if she had, 
I think mm. it might have been a different religion story. Religion aside, it may have been yeah. a, it may have been yeah. a different because story. Because I think with the religious thing, she was happy to tread that she, line. She was, and even taking criticism from Catholic monarchs yeah. and from yeah. from the papacy mm. that what you're not doing much to sort out these heretics mm. um, in, in your kingdom. Mm. Um, so that, I think again shows this real politics. Mm. So I suppose in the way, if she's did, is that because she is that her again? Or I'm just a bit obsessed with mm. the advisors. Yeah, it's it, dif- it's difficult it's to difficult. do. I mean, when she co- when she comes back. It, essentially, these advisers, of, of whom two have been to see her in France to sort of mm. try and make terms be, be, be beforehand, they expect her, in a sense, to, to fail and, and the whole thing to be a catastrophe, which, of course, for James Stewart, Earl of Murray, is, could be rather a good thing, because yeah. as the illegitimate the, son of James V, he's, like, he's, like, he, he's, yeah. the, he's the Edmund in King, in King, King Lear. He mm-hmm. thinks he really should, you know, actually, mm-hmm. you know, be the, be, the, be, be, the, be the king. But, of course, when Mary comes back, because of this politic uh, approach that she takes, you know, which David's uh, d- 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 described... You know, she's doing extremely well, and by the end of the first mm. year, Maitland of Lethington mm-hmm. is saying, yeah. "Blimey!" You know, I mean, mm. you know, she's so good. If anything's amiss, mm-hmm. the fault lies in ourselves. And, and I think that she was so successful until she married Donnie. The problem is, I mean, for me, the problem is, if you're a woman monarch in the 16th century, you're stuffed because if you marry, the, uh, the bloke will try and take over, yeah. and if you don't, you're in this dynastic cul-de-sac, and then everybody's wondering about the future and, but and what's, going to, what's if, going to happen. But don't you think if Donnie had been a better, better character, there was a chance there. Well, I had this debate with Antonia Fraser in Westminster Abbey about, about if Elizabeth right. had, mar- had married, you know, um, Robert place. Dudley. Uh, and, you know, Antonia's view was, you know, yeah, be, that could have worked because, you know, Dudley would have behaved. And I mean, my reaction was, no, the guy was a popinjay, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he would have gone exactly the same, the same way. way. Yeah, uh, and, you know, one reason, one reason why Elizabeth didn't marry, in my opinion, was because she'd sussed this out as an adolescent you know, yeah. with all the Tom Seymour business and she'd sussed it out you know, in the, in, in, in the, with the struggle that she'd got to the throne and then she saw it again on, beginning to unfold in her own reign and particularly with Mary you know, why am I going to, you know, I'm not going to go down that road But I, 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 somehow I think if Darnley had been a more reliable character the, the system of government was there for her to take the reins the, of the st- but she structure ultimately was there. the structure was there the relationships were there she just had to... Um, Jenny Wormwood always says, rise above faction mm-hmm. and assert her th- authority, and I'm very much in agreement with that. And that's, that's what she ultimately failed to, to do. But a devilishly so what, difficult she's mission. She's in Carlisle Castle, and uh, I didn't manage to get it. No, I saw him. I would have surprised you. I was born in Carlisle. Yeah, yeah, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> she's in Carlisle Castle, and, uh, and her, she just... There's all sorts of places in Cumberland called Weary Hall and all that, where she's supposed to have stayed. And so. Mary, she should Mary have meandered Scott, through the north of England. She meandered through the north of England, you know, continually coming, you know, coming further, further south to come into the more to the sort of the fulcrum of of of, of Cecil. I mean, the Carlisle thing is interesting because she's convinced because of this that her cousin, her, her fellow, her sisterly anointed mm, queen, mm. that she's a, a guest. There's this sort of slow realisation that she's not a guest. But, but, but again, this is Cecil, because, I mean, the minute yes, she's at Carlisle, Cecil, Cecil sends, Cecil. you know, Francis Knowles up. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, essentially the police go up to sort of hem her in, and she's mm. she's very closely, got, she's closely the guarded. The sealed, isn't it? Uh, 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 oh, and of course, Kathleen Carlisle, sorry. And, and Elizabeth, at, at this point, I mean, the, the, the sort of the paradox of, the, of this scenario is that at this moment, Elizabeth, you know, probably was prepared to meet her and talk about it mm-hmm. woman to woman. Yes. But Cecil, Cecil, Cecil blocks it. Just as in 1562, when a meeting actually was arranged and it was, it all, was. Going to, it was all going to happen, mm-hmm. Cecil had written the, you know, the equivalent of the press communique, mm-hmm. uh, cancelling the meeting two weeks before you know, anything had happened to actually you know, justify the meeting being cancelled. He, he, he didn't want them, he he didn't want them the to get together. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He didn't Huguenot. want them. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm being a bob, but how long was she in Carlisle? I'm not being silly about this. Was it then she's gradually brought down mm. to Tutbury and then she's Tutbury. Where it's more secure. Then, then, Shop, she's, put, then she's put then with, the Derbyshire, you. You know, with the Earl of Shrewsbury. Mm-hmm. Because Derbyshire being at the county where you're, fur, you're furthest, um, you know, you're furthest from the the, co- the coast at, 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 mm. any, at any point. Shrewsbury yeah. Castle, actually. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. Chatsworth. The Chatsworth, no, but Shrewsbury Castle. Yeah. But there was the opportunity still, I think, in '69, for her to have negotiated a settlement whereby she could have been restored to the Scottish mm-hmm. throne, but Cecil made sure that that, that didn't, didn't happen. happen. Yeah. And poor He's woman, the nemesis. Yeah. He's yeah. the nemesis. Yeah. And even Elizabeth knew 
I mean, Elizabeth wouldn't give a decision mm. at, the, at the, the, the meeting which, or the, the commission, as it's yeah. called, which examined the casket letters, yeah. uh, because mm, basically right. she she knew they were dodgy, and yeah. the thing was just left in abeyance. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, I mean, some historians say it's like the sort of Scottish verdict of not proven, but actually, it's it just it's just you know, no. you know, shut the whole thing down. down, and everyone was sworn to secrecy. And then, blow me, you know, after you know the Ridolfi plot, which we didn't talk about on air, but after the first of these, you know, sort of more specific plots, what does Cecil do, he tries to get Mary executed and shortly before the summoning of the 1572 Parliament in which he and his people try to get Mary executed he publishes the casket letters in phony Scots uh, anonymously, yes. uh, pretends it was done by, you know, by the, by the, by, by, by the Scots, even Buchanan, Buchanan. You know, writes, writes Buchanan. and saying, yeah, no, hang on you know, not me Gov, you know, this was, not, was nothing, nothing no. to do with, do yeah. with me, mm -hmm. I mean this, this guy is a skilled political operator you know, of the most, you, where Mary is concerned, yeah. you know, I mean the most uh, sort of messianic. I think I didn't realise. I mean, I, I read that sort of stuff at university and before that mm. at school. But so I thought I knew quite a bit about it. Well, I, I, there was recognitions all the way, but that was a while ago. I didn't realise he'd kind of stalked her since the beginning mm. of the. 15th, well, since John mentioned the arms. Since, since 15, in 1559, 1559, in August 1559, at the height of the you know the revolt of the Protestant lords in Scotland, he wrote a sort of master plan saying that if that that if Mary, as an absentee ruler at that point, doesn't get rid of idolatry in Scotland, mm -hmm. doesn't get rid of French influence, then it pleases Almighty God to depose her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he, you know, he could read the, he could read, read the mind. This is been... absolutely extraordinary. And at the moment when she is forced to abdicate at Loch Leven, uh, Elizabeth is absolutely horrified because she thinks that the abdication yeah. of a divine right monarch is mm -hmm. worse mm -hmm. than whoever killed Lord Darnley. Mm -hmm. uh, she gives Nicholas Throckmorton, who's the ambassador she sends up, the sort of Henry Kissinger type envoy she sends up to try and sort of get this sorted, get her out of jail, get her restored of Queen of Scotland, mm -hmm. get her her money back. Cecil gives Throckmorton contrary instructions, keep her in, <laughs> don't let her out. Mm. Uh, if she does get out, you know, she, you know, she's to absolutely have no money and Scotland's got to be ruled by a council of 24 nobles led by Murray. It destroys Throckmorton's career. But at the end of his instructions, uh, as a private sort of doodle at the end, and he, in the draft of them, this is my, my eureka moment in the National Archives, uh, Cecil writes, uh, a failure inter empta per Joash Regem. A failure was assassinated so that Joash could be king. And this is pure knocks out of the mm, first blast yes, of the trumpet. Yeah. Mm. A failure, uh, like Jezebel, mm -hmm. the idolatrous rulers of Israel who mm -hmm. were deposed uh, in favour of a regency of a young boy mm -hmm. with a council of, of, of nobles. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Why did Throckmorton? Why did he finish his career? Because he obeyed because the wrong you, you person. Couldn't, because you couldn't. You couldn't. Co you couldn't cope with this. You just couldn't. You couldn't satisfy. You couldn't satisfy two them both. Could, yeah. He couldn't serve two masters, mm -hmm. or one master, or one mistress. Master. Yeah. Yeah. How, John, how much do you think that Cecil had that sort of? Almost a British, well, certainly an Anglo-Scottish mm. vision, of a Protestant yeah. Anglo-Scottish. I mean, he yes. talks yes. about a one monarchy mm -hmm. yes. in the yes. 1560s, mm -hmm. and the other thing he says is um, that religion is the biggest yes. band it, that's going to be the that will bring us together, and that was Protestant. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. He's, yeah. He, he's one of the very first yeah. people to use this language in, in Edward VI's yeah. reign, uh, and, and it's it's bound by religion. And what I think he, his his master plan was for a, a Protestant British Isles. Yes. Yes. But yeah. of course, the problem for the Scots was it yeah. was done on to, it was to be done in Cecil's view on the basis of English superiority. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that yeah. the Scots could and never that. accept. Yeah. Except yeah. if Absolutely. it had been done on the basis of equality, yeah. mm -hmm. then yeah. this could well this which could is why it could well have happened. Work in um, inverted commas in 1603 because there was the, that the, yeah. the migration north yeah. to yeah. south. Yeah. Yeah. Of and James. But there's a 40 year delay because in order for it to work, you have to get rid of Elizabeth because it's the one thing that she she's wants. assisting. This, this is this is absolute, yeah. you know, ab absolutely abhorrent to, yeah. to, to, to her. her. To her. Mm. And you I need think to get we've got to produce a pouring the ground outside <laughs> the door <laughs> oh to make you an offer you. Oh, really can't refuse. Oh dear. <laughs> Who'd like tea? Or who You've like got enough now, yeah? I'd love coffee. Oh, I'd love a coffee. Yeah. Same coffee. Yes, please. There are many more history and discussion programmes from Radio 4 to download for free. Find these on the website at bbc.co.uk slash radio 4.